0: Guess what, cinephiles? I have just heard something absolutely mind-blowing. Okay, so you know when you search for something on Netflix, what you get is only a tiny fraction of what Netflix actually has. Netflix actually has more than 18,000 titles globally, but only like 6,000 of those are available in the U.S. So you're missing out on literally thousands of great shows, unless you use ExpressVPN.
1: Yeah, Steve, ExpressVPN is an app that lets you change your online location. So, like, for example, if you're looking for stuff that's from another country, you're based here in the United States, you can actually change your online location to Australia or the UK so you can control where you want Netflix to think you're located. They have over 100 different locations. They are on ExpressVPN, so you can, you can get access to, like, thousands of of new shows no matter where you live. And this works with many other streaming services too there. You guys have Disney Plus or Hulu or Max or the BBC iPlayer, which is the one I use. I know I've used ExpressVPN to connect to Australia because I really love this show called Have You Been Paying Attention? I just put myself in Melbourne and I get access to it. You sign up using your email, but you immediately get access to this stuff. I've used the BBC iPlayer to watch a number of shows. there on the BBC like Law & Order UK and others. And sometimes this show Guilty that I love that uh, screens there, when the new seasons pop up, because it takes like four months to get them on PBS, I watch them there using Express VPN. And it's
0: incredible how easy it is and how simple it is to use. So why should you use ExpressVPN? Well, first of all, it is super fast. That means you can stream everything in HD with no buffering. It works on any device. So I'm an Apple guy, which means I've already installed it on my Mac, on my iPhone, on my iPad, and on my Apple TV. I'd install it on my Apple Watch if I could, and it encrypts your data. Now, this is hugely important because it protects your privacy and your security to keep you safe from hackers. So stop missing out on great TV and get thousands of new shows with ExpressVPN. We got them to give you guys three extra months of free use when you use our special link, expressvpn.com slash cinephiles. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash C-I-N-E-F-I-L-E-S to get three extra months completely free. Hi, this is Steve. We've had a lot of great discussions on the Cinephiles, deep ones about serious films and serious subject matter like racism, violence, and crime, heartfelt ones inspired by movies that make us think about family, childhood, love, and loss. We've had geeky conversations, silly conversations, and technical conversations. But I don't think I've ever had so much fun talking about a movie as I did yesterday discussing Back to the Future with John, and not one, but two of our favorite guests. Shannon McClung and Michael Vogel. Seriously, the four of us could not stop laughing and it's no wonder. Back to the Future is not just a technical masterpiece. It's brilliantly crafted, incredibly funny, well acted and totally unique. So, if you haven't seen it, what are you waiting for? Run, don't walk to cinephiles.net and pick up that great Blu-ray collection of all three films or stream it through Amazon Prime. Then, come back on Friday for part one of what I guarantee will be one of our most entertaining episodes ever. Back to the Future with special guests Michael Vogel and Shannon McClung, only on The Cinephiles.
2: Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, Are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine
1: into a car, why not do it with some style? Besides... The stainless steel construction made the flux
2: dispersal. Look out!
0: And welcome once again (laughs) to the Cinefiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film. My headphones were falling off, and that's why I started laughing. Um, And I think we explore its themes, its history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today. My name, I believe, is Steve Morris, (laughs) and I think I'm a filmmaker and a directing instructor in Los Angeles, California. Uh, I am John Rugg. I'm a voiceover, definitely a voiceover artist,
1: uh, writer, producer, right, writer, producer, and host at Collider Video uh, and on the top 10 show. And I'm looking forward to this one because this film lost me a belt when I was going for the t- oh. for the title in a triple threat match. A question from this damn movie lost me the belt. What so, was the question? Uh, what brand of underwear does Calvin Klein? Calvin Klein? <laughs> yeah, I know. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I forgot because I hadn't seen it in a while and I totally forgot and I said Fruit of the Loom. Mm because i just didn't know it'd
0: be interesting if mom Cousin. calls him fruit All
3: right. how, are you, how are you feeling fruit <laughs> why do you keep calling me that oh this is very homophobic mom oh wow
0: so you might have noticed that there are other two other voices with That's us great. and we are welcoming back to the cinephiles two of our all-time favorite guests uh animation writer and producer michael vogel hey, animation hey. writer and actor shannon mcclung welcome back to the cinephiles
4: hey thank you steve
0: um, you are very welcome, and the movie we're talking about, we've already heard one trivia question from, is Back to the Future. That song, that music has been going through my head for the last 48 hours. Hashtag same. And not only is it one of our favorite movies, but it's also one of the favorite films of our patrons, with not one, not two, not three, not four, but five cinephiles patrons have picked this, and those pe- folks are James Kang, Jonathan Peck, Matt Korea. Patrick Giomo, and Sean Hagans. So let's hear why they picked the film.
1: Hey John and Steve, Back to the Future is one of my favorite movies of all time because it was one of the first movies I ever saw that blended humor, science fiction, and fantasy and adventure all into one incredible two-hour story. You had a crazy doctor you wanted to hang out with, a great family origin story in the McFlys, and come on, a time machine in the form of a DeLorean and the cliffhanger that left me wanting more. And of course, John, remember, Calvin Klein's will always be better than Fruit of the Looms. Thanks again for your incredible podcast and look forward to hearing you break down this incredible film.
3: Hello John Steve. This is Jonathan Peck from
2: Alexandria, Virginia. And thank you for choosing my pick for this episode of the Cinephiles is Back to the Future. It made me influence myself to become to make
3: movies in the first place and make me want to become a filmmaker someday.
2: Hi John and Steve.
3: Sean from Minneapolis, Minnesota here. Excited to hear you guys talk about Back to the Future. Not only is this a childhood film of mine, one I probably watched easily about 50 times, but it's a film that has remained one of my all-time favorites into adulthood. This is due to the wonderful characters of Marty and Doc Brown, the incredible cast, the direction by Robert Semeckis, and of course, the screenplay. This was one of the first films to teach me about basic screenwriting, about setup and payoff, and building tension. It also is one of the films to really influence my love of 80s films. It's a perfect blend of adventure, comedy, suspense, and of course, sci-fi. Great Scott, I can't wait to hear you guys talk about this masterpiece i am
0: so excited to talk about this mm-hmm. i we We've handled a lot of heavy movies lately we've dealt with some heavy issues yeah we and have I'm so happy to go back to the future right now. This is one of my favorite films um John, do you remember how you first came to it?
1: Yeah, I'm saw in the theaters uh with my family I'm sure we all went together to see back when you could go with your family like I was
0: right at that edge where
1: I was sliding out of like going to films with my family and being a teenager going with my friends. I was at that age. I remember this being one of the last few films. Uh, to I that I went to see in the theater with my family and enjoyed thoroughly as a family, uh, and talked about it so much afterwards. But it, I will say this: I will admit this. It has never had the hook in me that it has had with other people. Mm. But I've always loved the film and appreciated the series. Um, but it's never been like one that I go, oh, I gotta put on a, whenever I'm flipping channels. I gotta watch it.
0: I gotta watch it. It's never been one of
1: those for me. Right. Even though I love the film thoroughly. Right.
0: Um. Michael, do you remember how you first came to it? I do. I am much younger than John Rocco. Oh boy. So, I Wait, was that means you're much... even much much younger than me.
3: I am. Um. Uh, I uh but I was I was at that age where you were still going to the movies with your parents. And I think I was like I mean if it's 80 85, I was 8 years old. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yes, so yeah. you were yeah, 8. I was 8 years old. Uh
0: He's doing math on his face. We were seven. (laughs) I literally had to count. It came out in July, your birthday's in December, so you were probably seven.
3: That's so sweet that you know my birthday. Oh my God. (laughs) Uh yeah, so I was seven years old. Um, but so I was at that exact like that was that was that was it was right there in the thick of those movies in the eighties that your parents took you to that like defined an entire generation of us. So it definitely got the hook in me. I remember seeing it in the movie theater, um, and it, it just blew me away. I was all about it. Mr.
4: McClung. Yes, I'm even younger than Mike. I mean, and- I like, I like <laughs> wait, But that means you're younger than John. That means you're even younger than me. I know. 77, 78. So months, but really a year on paper. Anywho. Because uh, I'm, yeah. I'm the youngest looking guy in the room. But go, yes, go ahead. Okay. Pump yeah, the I'm, pump just I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I actually went and saw it with my friend's family, with my friend Lloyd Hayde. That oh. was the first time I went and saw a movie with someone else's family. And Is this the same guy that made you watch Terminator? Terminator, <laughs> yeah, same family. Wow. At six years old? <laughs> yes. Wow. We went and saw, uh, so normally I was used to going with my mom and dad, and you know, you guys have met my parents, They're very, I was raised in a very prim and proper household, my mom is sugary sweet, my dad doesn't say much. So we sit down in the movie theater, and Mr. Hate leans over, and he goes, <laughs> he's like, no, I don't want to hear any talking. I'm serious, you guys better shut up. This is going to be a good movie. Thinking, I've never had an adult wow. talk to me like this. So I sat there, petrified, for the first hour of the movie. Did you enjoy it? once I got past the, the petrification (laughs) word. Like, sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. So as the oldest
0: person here, (laughs) it's been clearly established. I was, it was the summer after my junior year in high school. And I went to see it with a bunch of friends. And then we went to see it again. I think I saw it three or four times in the theater, Hmm. rented it over and over and over again. It watched it just a ton. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about pre-production it started when bob gale who's bob zemeckis's partner so we got the two bobs uh went on, back to a high school reunion and f- as he was v- at his folks house he found the, his dad's old yearbook from high school and saw that his dad was senior class president and he had no idea that his dad had been senior class president he went man i wonder if i would be friends with my dad if we were in high school together he goes back to Bob Zemeckis and just says this idea, and Zemeckis goes, "You know, it'd be really interesting. What, you know, what if Mom was saying all these prim and proper things, and then you go back to high school and see her, and she's nothing like that." And she's that a is whore. <laughs> that is the origin of the movie Back to the Future. And they go in and pitch it. And by the way, the reason it's set in 1955 is just mathematical because mm. that's the right age from 1985. But when they started, it's 1980, 1981. They go, they pitch it to Columbia, they sell it in the room. And Columbia says, go write it. It takes six months to write because they have a process that is the way collaboration is supposed to work, which is that they argued a lot. And they didn't argue to win and they didn't argue to get mad. They argued because both of them passionately wanted to make the best script that pos- mm. possible. And they kept saying, not good enough. That your idea is okay. It's not good enough. We have to make more. And and one of the things they did, which I think a lot of different ways to write a screenplay. One of the ways that I don't do is writing everything down on an index card and putting it on a big board. This is an index card movie because every thought they have is they go, Marty invents rock and roll. Put that on an index card, put it on the board. If Marty invents rock and roll, we must see him play rock and roll. Put that on an index card. Marty invents skateboarding. Put that on an index card. (laughs) If he invents skateboarding, we must see him skateboard. And so this whole movie is... This is, movie has more plans and payoffs than any other movie I can think of. There's so many little details, and you can see when you think about it, every single index card, we have to get that in before that. Well, if that happens, then we have to move this. And that was a lot of those six months of trying to write the screenplay. Write the screenplay in six months, five weeks rewrite. Columbia didn't want to make it. Hmm. It goes into turnaround because what does Columbia want to make? They're like, well, it's a comedy. Comedy in the early 80s need to be raunchy right meatballs meatballs porkies stripes stripes. this is something we talked about when we did breakfast club is that he got all this pressure from 16 candles and then later breakfast club to make it raunchy so that no one wanted to do it the only person who really liked it was steven spielberg and zemeckis and gale had written which i totally forgot 1941 oh a terrible book and then spielberg produced their first two movies which is used cars and i want to hold your hand all bombs but still used cars is a is i have a, no memory of it really i, think I saw Kurt it. Russell.
1: it is a um what do they call it is an underground favorite it's mm. a guilty pleasure a lot of people love kurt russell in used cars very funny film in my opinion well and and so they literally said no to spielberg they I so, want to say one last thing i'm sorry steve yeah i want to hold your hand is getting a criterion release really? later this year fascinating which is about these people going to see their first beatles concert ever Oh, and wow. what that must have been like. So, how interesting another film going back in time.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Indeed. Well, 1941 is a period piece. So, right. well, and so they, they literally go to Spielberg, like, look, we like, we're glad you like our movie. We don't want to make it with you because we don't want to look like we've done three things that weren't successful with you. We don't want to look like the only reason anyone makes us, lets us make movies is that you're our friend. <laughs> And Spielberg goes, okay. And so they shop it around. No one wants it. Someone says, take it to Disney. They take it to Disney. Disney looks at them and like, this is a movie about incest. <laughs>
2: you want, you I mean... want Disney to do it?
0: So finally, after three years, they go back to Spielberg. And he says, yeah, I, I said I'd do it a while ago. And it becomes the first actual Amblin production at Universal that was not directed by Steven Spielberg. Wow. Everyone came in to audition for Marty. And the person that they wanted was Michael J. Fox, which I never knew. I didn't know they wanted him from the beginning. Mm. And they went to Gary David Goldberg, who's the producer of Family Ties, which is a hit TV show. And he says, nope, can't have him. So then they go off to their second choice, which is Eric Stoltz. Yep. And um, they went and started shooting with him. And they shot for five weeks yeah. with Eric Stoltz. And, and it's funny. They, they're looking at the footage and they go, man, Eric Stoltz is a great actor. This is a serious
4: movie. Yeah. <laughs> he just didn't have the comedy chops. Did you hear the table read story? Like no. their first table read? No. Allegedly what had happened, I think Bob Gale said it in an interview, but after their first table read, um, some assistant had gone up to Eric Stoltz and was saying, hey, this movie's going to be really great. It's going to be really, really funny. And he goes, oh, I don't think this is going to be funny at all. Oh, this really? is This is tragic. <laughs> He's going to go back to a life that didn't exist. And that was his. That was in his head. Wow. That was his way in. Yeah.
1: Uh, well, Stoltz isn't really known for comedies no. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> like, even in Pulp Fiction, his comedy is like really dark. The sequence that occurs yeah, is, sure. pul- is very dark comedy. So, it makes it, and that footage exists. You can oh, yeah. find it on YouTube. Okay. Watch Eric Stoltz's Marty McFly, it's a dark movie.
0: It is. it's so, and it's so, this just points out the thing of like why casting is hard. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the idea, people think like, oh, well, they'll just, whoever the best actor is, we'll give it to the best actor. It's like, no, that's not what casting is. Right. Casting is fighting the right actor. Eric Stoltz is a really good actor. And Zemeckis goes to Spielberg and he sits him down in the screening room and screens a bunch of stuff. And there's then silence in the theater. <laughs> and Spielberg looks over at him, and goes like, well, what do you want to do? And he goes, and Zemeckis goes, I think we need to replace Eric Stoltz. And, and Spielberg goes, I think so too. Huh. And then they have to go to Sid Sheinberg, who's, who's the head of the studio, very, very powerful guy in Hollywood, and say, we want to essentially throw out five weeks of work and cast this guy, and we want to get Michael J. Fox. They go back to Gary David Goldberg, and he says, nope. And I get it. I mean, it's it like I get it. It's like this is, he has a hit show on TV. Mm-hmm. Michael J. Fox is the breakout character of his hit show, He's not going to hand him over to to a movie. Hmm. And so they come up with a deal of he's going to shoot Family Ties during the day and at night go and shoot Back to the Future all night and back to Family Ties in the day. Jesus. They had, and John, you will appreciate this story. They had a station wagon with a mattress in the back. Who's that make you think of?
3: Uh, Wells, Orson Welles. Orson Welles riding
0: around in the ambulance to get between radio shows and plays. Yep. Crazy.
3: Back in the 40s. I had no guys- idea. I, I had, for everything that I knew, man, I knew about Eric Stoltz. I know this other stuff. I had no idea about this at all. This is amazing. Uh,
0: 10 to 5, shoot from Family Ties, then get to the set at maybe 7 or 8, and then shoot until 4 in the morning or 5 in the morning, and then back to Family Ties. Um, wait, what's the theme song from Family Ties?
2: What would we do, baby? Oh, I'm, just
0: without without love. I'm just picturing Meredith Baxter and what Michael do, J. Fox speaking to each other. Like, my, like on separate. You
1: know? <laughs> and I don't know what the words is. <laughs> And there that- ain't no nothing we, we can't get, get each, each other through. through. I liked
3: I liked my version. Oh, it was more internal is more internal. The Muppet version. By the way, I <laughs> love that show. I watched it all. the
1: time. Oh, that show yeah. was a great show. <laughs> way better than Growing Pains. You can yeah. kiss. That's the thing. Oh! Red, red, it's, it's either Red Vines or Twizzlers. It's either Family Ties or Growing Pains. Family
4: Ties is better than Growing Pains.
1: <laughs> it's miles better than Growing Pains.
3: They don't. I feel <laughs> like I just. I wish this was a video. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's an expression from what? Michael Vogel. <laughs> okay, but okay, but Growing Pains has a better theme song.
1: What is the Growing Pains theme
3: Show me that smile again. Show, Show me, me
1: that, that smile. smile. Don't waste another minute on your crying.
0: <laughs> All right, By the way, fair. I barely watch Growing Pains because, as we've established, I'm a little older. <laughs> but
4: that's a better theme song. Thank you. Yeah, But not as good as Perfect Strangers.
3: No, Perfect Strangers is the best theme. That is for the best. Uh, sure that's song. the best theme song sure. from the eighties. Period.
4: Gentlemen, yeah.
3: <laughs> Standing <laughs> tall on the wings, wings of my, my dreams, <laughs> rise and fall. fall on the wings <laughs> of my dreams. And the best part, <laughs> through rain and thunder, wind and haze, I'm bound for better <laughs> days.
1: <laughs> my life, my
3: life. It's gonna
0: stop me now.
4: The audio might have peaked a little bit. Oh, at bro, some of right. that. Sorry, I just Sorry, didn't guys. have my hand on the. Sorry, guys. Silver no, spoons it's... is number two, maybe. I don't know. If you've <laughs> never played the theme to Perfect Strangers during uh, New Year's Eve when the fireworks are going off, it really syncs up.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
4: Pro tip, my friends. Pro tip.
0: <laughs> Shall we? Shall we jump into the film? Yes, please. So we uh, enter into the sound of clocks.
3: Um, Seems appropriate.
0: Originally, this movie was supposed to open in a classroom. Oh. And the reason it was supposed to open in a classroom is that the climax was supposed to be the explosion of a hydrogen bomb at a nuclear test facility because only that would generate the 1.21 gigawatts to power the time machine. And so we had to establish in a history class that this uh, nuclear test
3: happened nearby this town. That's fascinating. I I always I always do love this whole thing. Like when you see something that's so perfect, the way that I feel like Back to the Future is, where you hear the earlier versions and you go, "Yeah, that tracks. Like that makes sense. Like it is a very like we're going to open in the classroom because we need to get this information out really quickly right. and really clearly so that the audience knows this later. Like you were saying, like the whole note card thing. Yeah, and. They do the same thing in the opening of this movie once we get into the into Hill Valley, but in a different way with what ultimately they figured out, which is way cooler.
0: Way cooler.
3: And part of the reason they didn't do
0: the nuclear test, because Spielberg loved the whole nuclear test, was money. It was just way too expensive. They wanted to do something to do in the back lot. And I couldn't confirm this. But- it cost three million additional dollars to switch to Michael J. Fox on a fourteen million dollar budget. Wow. Wow. That was so so three million dollars in today's movie money standards it doesn't sound like a lot of money, but if your total budget is fourteen, you have to go back to the studio for an extra three. And they and I don't know if that's when they cut the nuclear test or not. Mm. I'm not sure, um, but they did cut it, and that's why we open up with these clocks. This is one of those things where people do not understand how hard movie making is. Try to get 20 clocks all to click in sync. They had like 20 guys, one on each clock, lining them up after every single take to get them to all be on the same time. Because those pendulums are swinging in sync. Yeah, Like that is really, really hard as we go by these clocks and we see pictures of... Uh, Edison, Einstein, and Ben Franklin. And we see a newspaper article saying that the Brown Mansion was destroyed. This is all really important um, uh, setups for things. Uh, By the way, we also see that Judy Taylor did the casting, one of the great casting directors of all time. We hear about a Toyota sale. Everything that is in this movie is important. Like there's nothing really wasted as we go by.
3: I mean in the opening like 10 minutes and like like I said we we get into them in Hill Valley and him in school and everything. Like I was thinking of this when I was rewatching it that just like there's something amazing about like as a writer I do not have economy of storytelling. I constantly overwrite everything and write way too long. And so watching something like this you're just like every single thing whether it be a visual cue or just a mention here, it's all brought up, it's all set up for you and it's all done in the quickest really shortest fast most like it's like it's like strategic way possible and it's amazing Um, We go
0: back a coffee maker that pours water into a hot thing, but there's no pot. We go by a toaster that's burning. We're in kind of this Rube Goldberg-y sort of invention contraption. We go to this robotic arm that grabs a can of dog food, opens it up, and pours it really disgustingly into a bowl. (laughs) Again, this is – so they really did build a robotic arm and an automatic dog food can opener. And when they practice it out, it worked perfectly. And then they didn't get the rights to the dog food that they had been using – to put on camera they got rights to other dog food for product placement and when they did it didn't work the dog food stayed in the can and so there is a dude just off screen with a blowtorch heating up the can of dog food right before the camera gets to it so that it's hot so when it flips over it pours out
3: again filmmaking is weird i want to meet, want to meet this guy in a bar in hollywood today <laughs> like i used to work in hollywood what did you do <laughs> let me tell you, you seen back to the future yes i made that dog
0: food <laughs> And then then we see uh, the door open and we see feet and they're putting like a key under the mat and in comes some legs with a skateboard. Not Michael J. Fox. ah, Because he's only working half days. Anything they could shoot that wasn't him, they did. So this is another guy. And we see him kind of kick the skateboard across the room, which stops by hitting the box of plutonium, which we have heard on a news report that I didn't mention, that some plutonium has been stolen, possibly by some Libyan terrorists. So as you say, a lot of info, right in this shot, and then we go to him, this guy flipping some switches, turning some knobs, we hear the hum of a powerful something or other, we don't know what he's doing, we see these meters starting to peak, he's turning everything up, turning on the overdrive, and then we see him plug something in, and we're in a shot behind him, and we see the world's giant biggest speaker... (laughs) And he strums his guitar, and what happens to him?
3: Massive explosion! <laughs> Massive explosion!
4: It's
1: not and a, pl- so a plutonium explosion. Plutonium explosion, but it's an explosion. Plutonium!
4: <laughs> plutonium! <laughs> do we think that the the shot from behind? Do we not is? Would that not have been Michael J. Fox? It was not. Uh-huh. Wow! So, That's crazy. Uh huh. I'm I'm fairly
0: certain it's not. The first sh- shot of actual Michael J. Fox is when he drags himself out of the debris and says, rock and roll, <laughs> as opposed to, like, I'm deaf, right. <laughs> which probably is more likely what would have happened. That's what it's like when you're 15. Yeah. Everything's rock and roll. Everything's rock and roll, <laughs> rock and roll son. And uh, then he gets, he gets a phone call, and it is from Doc Brown, and we hear- and buddy Marty. And then this may, might be the silliest little setup, is that the clock's all bong 8 o'clock, and after Doc has asked him to meet him at 1 30 in the morning at the Twin Pines Mall, he says, uh, Marty says, that they're all 8 o'clock. He says, oh, it's perfect. They're
3: exactly 25 minutes late. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's funny, because like,
3: like, like I actually took a good several minutes to go, huh? What, what, what did he actually... Like, did he put them all in the DeLorean? No, he doesn't have enough Plutonia. Like, I literally spent more time than I should have trying to figure out what experiment he did with all of those clocks to get them all behind. And I was like, eh, okay, I'll give it to you, Doc Brown. You're smarter than me. But like, I, for the life of me, I was like,
2: what, what could he have
3: done?
0: I, I think that, that the two Bobs wanted Marty to be late for school. And they had to figure out how to do it. Oh, fair. <laughs> uh, and he is late for school, and we get our skateboarding
3: montage. <laughs> <laughs> and our, <laughs> <laughs> our first kid, T.W. Lewis. Lewis, the piece. unsung hero of Back to the Future. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Power of love is a curious
2: thing. Make a one man weep, make another man.
3: Which was a staple of the eight.
0: You uh, had to have a great soundtrack. You had to. Absolutely. And
3: and this uh, has a great soundtrack. It does.
1: Of original music. Yeah.
3: original. Power, music. love, carry
4: thing. Yeah, when you would have the music video that would have uh, clips from the movie, or if you could even get the star.
0: You could yeah. get the star as the video. character. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was, was a big deal. big deal. And that, uh, uh, that music video was shot. Right near my house, yeah. in a little club in Larkspur, I think, for Power of Love, mm-hmm. because Huey Lewis is a Marin County guy He's from where I grew up. Really? I saw my maybe my first ever star sighting is Huey Lewis in a bookstore huh. when I was in high school, and that was you know mid. That was when he was Huey Lewis in the news. This is big
3: time. Huey was Lewis a in a bookstore sounds like the, a great like improv <laughs> game. <Yeah. laughs> like I need a person and a place. I will be doing Huey Lewis in a bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> With an
0: orangutan. (laughs) Um, And uh, he goes off skateboarding through the town, holding on to the back of trucks. When this movie opened in Australia, Michael J. Fox had to do a public service announcement telling kids don't hang on to the back (laughs) Of of cars on skateboards. Amazing. Those are tough kids, those
1: Australians. But this is also a very brilliant way to give you exposition about the town. Exactly. Just genius how they show you what everything is laid out, where he's going, what he's doing, and also give you a little hint into his character in that he's a bit of a rebel rouser. He's a bit right. of a rebel. He's a bit of a kind of, you
0: know, he's, he's he's a normal kid who likes to break the rules just a little bit. A little Not bit. a
1: lot, just a little bit.
0: And, and, and as you were saying, John, we see the town. The town is messed up. And part of the way they do this, just uh, in terms of efficiency in filmmaking, is they shot the 50s first. It's much easier to mess up a set than it is to uh, clean up a set. True. So they made the pristine, and this is all, of course, on the Universal Backlot, and you could see it on your Universal Backlot tour. Um, ask for Shannon. Um, <laughs> I
4: don't work on the tour, Steve. Yeah. I know. Hey, he's a, he's above on, the man. tour. Come on, He's
0: above the tour. Um, so they made it perfect, pristine for the 50s, and then they messed it up. And you can see... This is the era when the malls opened up and the downtowns got abandoned. And this is a rough town that he's mm. going through. Uh, he arrives at school, runs into his girlfriend uh, Jennifer, which is Claudia Wells. Well,
3: runs into Jennifer before school, right? And then you get the whole hill because, like, then important because like, this is what you're talking about about the classroom scene at the beginning is the old lady who comes up with the save the clock tower. That's yeah. not we have. That's after school. Is that after school? Yeah. So
0: he meets her. They go into school.
3: So,
1: yeah. Don't maybe don't try to drive every time. You know, same. Go ahead, Steve. As you were saying, Steve.
4: Let me pick that out.
1: <laughs> no, leave it in. You know what? Leave it in. Yeah,
0: leave it in. You know what? Leave it in. I'll be leaving that in. <laughs> uh, so, So we run into Jennifer, who's played by Claudia Wells. Her story is really interesting. Yeah. She was cast first. And they wanted her to do it, and she had just booked a pilot, and they had just heard the pilot wasn't going to go, and so she was going to shoot it, and she's going to do it with Eric Stoltz. And then the pilot went, and she got they got a six uh, episode offer, so she had to pull out of the show. So they so they cast instead Melora Harden to play the girlfriend. What? Wow, from The Office. Yep.
1: Oh my gosh. Wow.
0: And she did the five weeks with Eric Stoltz, and then when they fire Eric Stoltz, she's taller. And so they All went, right. They went. this isn't going to look good with Michael J. Fox, who's 5'5", five five. so they fired her as well, and by that time, the f- the series had done its six episodes and did get canceled, and Claudia Wells was available, and she's not tall, and they brought her back. God, I got to see th- that footage. I don't know if I've seen footage of her as jennifer interesting isn't that uh, crazy it is crazy
4: yeah and that's sizest because short guys can be with tall women okay all can right can all, they? All, all right, right.
1: She's not in hollywood son not on screen uh but what's interesting though too is her story because like she does get replaced anyway again by elizabeth shoe M- one of she, my favorites absolutely for so many reasons she has her own she runs now in la a suit shop the really actress, yes, they did a piece on her like a year or two ago, and she talked about her experiences, being and what happened, and she was like, she's still bummed she got replaced uh, in the in the series, um, but she runs, she's she took her a while to kind of walk away from acting, and now she runs a very successful suit shop in L.A. Mm-hmm. You can go get your suit measured
0: at Jennifer's store. There wow. you go. Wow. Um, they go into the school and immediately get accosted by Mister Strickland. Yeah, Uh James Tolkien he's the best. <laughs> I still just can't not think of him as the poor man's Robert Duvall yeah he just always he so has that exact same vocal rhythm
1: uh, he, he makes both Top Gun and Back to the Future
0: he's so <laughs> important to both films he really is
3: and Masters of the
4: Universe oh Jesus Christ he's he's in that t- oh well.
3: man he is he plays Detective uh, Lubbock uh,
2: uh,
3: that might be my favorite role of his now that's out of, the, out of out of those three that's the winner and he is horrible horrible person
4: you've got a real attitude problem McFly you're a slacker you remind me of your father when he went here he was a slacker too can I go now Mr. Strickland I notice your band is on the roster for the dance auditions after school today why even bother McFly you don't have a chance you're too much like your old man no McFly ever amounted to anything in the history of Hill Valley
2: yeah well history is gonna change
4: what is a slacker because is it fair to call George McFly a slacker like yes. I, really, what did you see that he was doing that was
1: uh, upwardly mobile or was going to help him Clearly in his he did career? Did good in
3: school if Biff was yeah, making he's him good do good student. His homework.
1: Right, but he's a slacker in the way that like you know he's a nerd, and that's what that, that was kind of the correlation. A slacker was someone who's not nerds gonna are not anybody. slackers. Okay, and we going to talk about the fifties or not? That's the fifties interpretation. Nerds were slackers that kind of. I idea. do think that
3: to him. Biff would have been a great student and George yes. McFly was a slacker. Right. Maybe. That's I what mean, I'm saying. A slacker,
0: a slacker is someone who doesn't work hard.
1: I'm not agreeing with his connotation. I'm trying to explain to you what he's coming from.
3: Okay. Yeah. Well, you clearly have rare insight into James <laughs> well, No, I have rare insight into the thing. <laughs> no, method. I, I, this doesn't happen often, but I will agree with Roka on this one. Um, <laughs> such, I, a liar. such a, such a liar. I, uh, but no, I do think that in terms of like the way, the whole movie is set up like biff is successful and george mcfly is not for high
1: school but i'm saying no even like when we meet them but when we meet them in the present day right 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 right. biff
3: is successful by by building his life and his career and everything on on making george do everything and george mcfly is not successful so in terms of the way they probably were perceived in high school that led all the way to adulthood yeah biff is hey this is the kind of guy you want to be. I'm, cl- I'm glad you went to my high school. Right. This yutz, what a slacker. makes He's sense. Slacker. You know what? He never I,
0: accomplished anything. I, I'm totally swayed by this argument. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> That's what we are saying. He's a slacker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, shall we go have our band audition? Yes. Oh. oh, by the way, one last thing. This is how
1: principals were in the 80s, kids. You guys oh, got no. it lucky that you'd get your butts fondled by these principles now to Yo, make sure nothing happens. Well, <laughs> did I say that wrong? come out wrong? <laughs> you, guys are I, lucky. Um, you guys are lucky that uh, principals can't even touch you glad. in the old days.
3: I, still, still <laughs> am am wrong on this? I feel like uh, I'm trying uh, to get my point. Back to the old days, I got touched all the time by my principles. <laughs> yeah. His name was Michael Jackson. No, they used to spank us
1: all the time. And do I mean they used to do? Principals used to come in and, and make you feel like dog shit all the time, and the parents were okay with it back then. It wasn't, you know, in principals nowadays. They can barely say two words, cross words to you, oh. without like a shit ton of evidence and video. When, so.
3: when did you just become an angry old man? Just tell- when? Are you kidding? It's been about ten years.
1: <laughs> oh, in my day, in my
3: day,
0: principals fondled my butt and kicked me out on the street. <laughs> Because
3: they didn't want me to be a slacker. So, so the audition, Huey Lewis is in it. Yes, <laughs> everyone. This was like this was like the big like if you could like as Shannon was saying in the eighties, if you could get one of the stars in your music video, yes, and you could get a part in the movie. That's like. You went in big time and he was nervous about this. Did
4: you did you know this? Huey Lewis? No, yeah, no. he was nervous about it because he was just like you're you're playing me as this nerd. I'm the cool rock guy. Like yeah. th- this could ruin my image.
1: Of Huey Lewis? <laughs> yes.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we're talking 85 right now, man. Ah! <laughs> they
1: were a fucking bar band. What are you talking about?
4: Oh, I love
1: it. It's so good. Um, This is not freaking Motley Crue. <laughs>
4: Huey Lewis. You don't tell Huey that. Yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> sure. I want a Huey new drug. Lewis.
0: By what the way, a slacker. Did you listen to the, the... Mark Maron a long time ago did an interview with Huey Lewis. Yes. It's a great episode. His life is totally fascinating. Yeah, Huey is... Yeah, awesome. he was an interesting guy. who had no idea about all this stuff. Uh, Michael J. Fox yeah. did know how to play guitar. He had been in bands. He also skateboarded a lot as a kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other guy on the stage with him is his guitar coach, who was helping him during the movie to oh, play cool. well. Um and Huey Lewis stands up with his bullhorn and says,
1: hold on, hold on, fellas. I'm afraid you just too loud.
0: Um, and now we're in the thing that you were talking about, where we're in the town square and we now see the woman to it. We see the woman raising money to save the clock tower. And she's got her can that can that she's banging around, and he's and then this is and we also see reelect Goldie Wilson. Yep. Another little plant that we have to have. So good. And this is where he goes through the thing that you were talking about of he's never going to play in front of someone. What if he gets rejected? He's got a tape. And then there's this moment where he says,
4: all right. okay, Jennifer, what
1: what if I send in the tape and they don't like it? I mean, what if they say I'm no good? What if they say, get out of here, kid? You got no future. I mean, I just don't think I can take that kind of rejection. Jesus, I'm starting to sound like my old man.
3: And and I just love the way they set up like this whole like I would like to play guitar on stage at school. I don't think I'm good enough. What if I'm never good enough, which we which directly comes from his pants. And like, I'm just like my dad. Like yep. those things all just hit boom, 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 boom. Uh, And you're just like, all right, we are set up. And like when you know the movie and you're watching and you're like, yep, like if you, you just set up all the pins and we're just going to knock them all down. Like, it's good to go. What do
0: you have? Oh, sorry. What you say? Well, I
3: was just going to say
0: that the thing about writing is that exposition is the hardest job, I think, in writing it's like I got to oh, get yeah. this stuff out. And, and to get it out in a way that is entertaining and that it's not sloggy, where the audience doesn't feel like it's told being told what's going on, is so hard. And they do so much in this movie. And what they said about it was that this writing was not fun. This was heavy lifting, start to finish, super, super
4: hard. And so people who have this image of, oh, it must be fun to write a fun movie. No. <laughs> this is hard, hard work. And this is also where they established the truck and the idea that Marty's mom is
3: super strict. Yep. He's, I think she was born a nun. Yep. Right. And again, and again, like like we were saying, like it just it's it's every single line is necessary. Mm-hmm. Like when you break that down and you watch the scene, like the woman comes up and says, "Save!" Literally, she's like, "Save the clock tower. We want to keep it exactly where it was when it was destroyed by lightning on this night specifically at this exact time." And here's a flyer, and just and you're like, right. "Yep, need that." And you're you're like, "Yeah, mom's my mom was practically a nun growing up. Oh, I'm, I hope I'm not going to be like my dad." And like. And Mm -hmm. she writes her phone number and I love you on the back of the flyer. Right. So that becomes
0: a dual purpose prop that's going to give us all sorts of stuff for later on the film. And Marty does,
4: kisses Jennifer in front of her dad, which, which when I was in her, high school, I would not do that. Well, why did she give up didn't he nab, not have her number before? No, she was going to her grandma's house. That's and right. she was okay. writing yep. her grandma's
3: number. Well, and another thing that I find interesting, I think this is the right time to talk about it, is like, you know, and, and like when you're writing when you're writing a uh, movie and you have your main character, like most movies, the way they work is here's a character, here's a character's flaw, Here's their flaw. And here's what they need to learn to overcome to work through to get to make everything better like you know so like, how do you get to the point at the end of the movie where the character's life is better and most movies that is they learn a thing and they make a different decision than they would have made and that's how they get there but marty he does have things like he's not he's not super confident like he right. says to jennifer like i'm not going to send this tape in what if they don't like my music he then goes, like, he's told his music's too light. There's little things, but most of this movie is about Marty going and, like, it. his life ends up better because of everything he changes around him. It's George who actually had, right. like, the character arc, which I find really interesting because this movie is, I agree with you, Steve, that, like, it's one of the most perfect movies. But that's one thing that I was watching. I'm like, it's very interesting the way they they set up all the right stuff for Marty to have the arc, but in a different way than you usually would attack it. Yeah,
0: I mean, you mm-hmm. get the sense that he learned lessons by watching his parents Go through these things. That is- uh, but we don't see him do anything with his new lessons. He doesn't make different choices later on. I right. totally agree. Well, I think – so So my definition of story versus plot comes from uh, Stephen King. I think I've talked about on the show before, which is just plot is the external conflicts and the mechanism of how all that stuff works. And story is the internal conflicts and the development of characters over time. This is a plot movie. Yeah. This is where it's all about the mechanism of all the little
3: things that have to happen. And yeah, he has a character arc, but not that much. No. It's it's George McFly who has the character arc. He has yeah. a character arc. And Marty is sort of the
2: the uh, conduit, the conduit. I mean, in
3: a way, I mean to use it because I'm because I'm a Disney nerd and I was here we actually talked about this movie uh on Cinephiles, but it's the difference of like uh Aladdin or Belle in Beauty and the Beast, like Belle mm. doesn't really have a character arc. It's the beast's movie. She is right. the thing she is the thing that She's the right. main character that gets you there, but the beast changes, whereas in Aladdin, he's the one who needs to learn the lesson. And this is more that, which I think is really uh, interesting for the fact that this movie is like just taught to everybody. It's like, this is a perfect movie. So Michael J. Fox arrives home. The first thing he sees is his car, wrecked car getting towed. Oh, come on, man.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then he goes inside, and we get to meet Biff.
3: I can't believe you loaned me a car without telling me it had a blind spot. Blind spot. I could have been killed.
2: Now, now, Biff, now, I never noticed that uh, the car had any blind spot before when I would drive it. Hi, son.
3: One of the all-time great mm. bully villains of, of cinema. Like, I mean, just like, like, represents everything that is a bully. <laughs> um <laughs> Apparently, Tom Wilson is a very nice guy. Yeah, he is. I uh, he, I worked with him uh, for a small part. He did spectacular Spider Man. He did a voice. Oh, I was super nice. excited. I was like one of my first animated shows, and I got to meet Biff, and he was lovely. He, but his assholeness is amazing. Yeah, he does. I think he does stand up comedy. Oh, and, really? Yeah, he does like
4: sing uh, song 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 stand up comedy where he has a song about making Back to the Future. Really? And he talks about like people ask him, you know, has he met Michael J. Fox? He's like, yeah, nice guy. And they ask him if he met Crispin Glover. He's like, never talked to him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's really like if you, if you YouTube Thomas F. Wilson Back to the Future song, it'll it'll pop up. Uh, it's really I will fun. I will try to put it on the Facebook page. Oh yeah. Um. So. Uh.
0: And he's angry because he didn't George didn't tell him that his car had a blind spot. <laughs> <laughs>
4: It's just all everyone else's fault but his. Yeah. It's horrible. I spilt beer all over me when that yeah, who's gonna pay for... into me. <laughs> who's going to pay for this suit? That's a good joke, by the way, because it's got levels.
0: <laughs> um he, Of course, he also needs to get the reports written for him. And when. Uh, George is hesitating. We get our hello McFly. Oh
3: yeah. Uh, ah well,
4: I haven't finished those up yet, but you know, I I figured since they were due till to- hello <laughs> hello anybody home? Okay. Uh, think McFly. Right. Think.
3: I gotta have time to get them retyped. Yeah. Uh, do you realize what would happen if I handed in my reports in your handwriting? Yeah. I'll get fired. <laughs>
0: which my son, because I watch it with Jax, he said, is that where that's from? And I'm like, yes,
4: you are seeing the origin yes. of this. And growing up in the 80s, having a Micklass name, I got my fair share of head headnogs. Oh, uh, hello, wow. McClung, hello. Oh, my God.
3: <laughs> also because you're so short. Okay. It's easy to <laughs> wrap you on the head. Yeah. Oh, okay. I would, I'd have um, killed Dog somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and
0: this scene is this exact scene is going to get repeated later on, including the
3: oh I had to rewrite the reports, I can't turn it in in your handwriting, and, and I sleep in on Saturdays, and and that's that's sort of something that's like really indicative of the Back to the Future series as a whole is they they got they got three movies of mileage out of <laughs> repeating scenes almost specifically, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but like in a good way, like like it's, it it works really well, and like this is one of those first moments where like we're going to see this, we're going to see it again in a little bit, yeah. It doesn't work for me in the sequels so much. We the sequels are a different thing and we could talk about them another day. Let's just focus on our yeah. love for this first <laughs> movie right now. Thank you for keeping us on track. Well, once again,
1: what they do here story wise also is uh he is the hero in every situation he's walking into. Right? Everybody else is terrible to Marty. And that's how you make your lead a hero constantly throughout the movie, the protagonist rather kind of a hero character to follow, because everyone else that comes in contact with him is so rude to him or mean to him or whatever. And like you said, Mike, oh Michael, you establish him. As soon as he plays the guitar and rides the skateboard, he's a cool kid, right? Right. But, so you have to have everyone else come in contact with him, be an absolute jerk, so it only reinforces that. The first scene of Biff is him being an absolute jerk. Right, the first scene of principal him being an absolute jerk. Oh yeah, and so and the first scene with the parents them being absolutely except for of course Leah Thompson is being like just super weird to him or nerdy to him. So he is he is elevated by the fact that everyone else around him is not good to him or is not uh, doesn't hear him or understand. Well,
0: and Leah Thompson confirms what uh, Marty said about her earlier because we talk about Jennifer calling. It's like I don't think girls should call people. (laughs) Girls should call boys like that. Right, exactly. and, and, and one of the moments that happens with, uh, with Biff and Crispin Glover is you see him making a fist or like doing this thing with his hand, which is sort of the exact same gesture he does. And, and it's so watching it multiple times. You go like, oh, he is thinking about hitting Biff. Mm. He has probably been thinking about hitting Biff for
4: 30 years, 30 years.
0: <laughs> uh, and he apologizes to his son.
4: I know what you're going to say, son. And you're right. <laughs> you're right. But uh, Biff just happens to be my supervisor and I'm afraid I'm just not very good at confrontations.
3: That's a thing. (sighs) It's so sad. And you're just like that That is, you get that moment of just like this guy's so pitiful and he just has no backbone even to his own kid. Like he just he just backs down from everybody well it, oh, poor george mcfly
1: <laughs> so here's the thing that's also interesting to me it's ironic that marty is essentially the black sheep of the family and buys but in a way that's reverse because Marty's the cool kid in the family, right? right? His the brothers in jail, the sisters not is no the nerd. uncle, the, uncle the, uncle's yeah. sorry, the uncles in jail,
0: but the brother and the sister are super. Brother, nerds. yeah, the brother works for uh, fast food, yeah,
3: fast food, and the
0: sh- and the sister can't get a date, yeah, exactly right, same right. thing.
3: Like you get you get home and it's literally the family version of this scene in Town Square where you just get yeah yeah brother brother does fast food, sister can't get a date, right uncles in jail didn't make parole. But she's wearing the mom jeans
1: or the mom look uh, uh, Leah Thompson is. Dad's a super nerd. And,
3: and yeah. having a healthy pour of vodka. Yeah. Hey, guys, he didn't get out of jail. Yeah,
1: yeah. they're all, in essence, uh, kind of pseudo-on-the-way path to being losers or losers already. No, I think as, there's that no as, path is my to term. being losers. Yeah. Well, His family are losers. Fair enough. And, but he somehow... He's the cool kid who knows how to wear the right jeans, the right shirt, the right look, the right fashion, all that jazz. So in a way, uh, to me, it's like it's like a reverse black sheep of the family. He's actually. It's cooler. also like reverse, like most movies.
3: That rarely happens when you're when you're like when you're setting up like like let's just do the cliche movie today. It's right. like everyone in my family is cooler than me. Right. Everyone, I'm the one who doesn't fit in. I feel like an outsider. And you're right. This is literally the reverse of he's like. He doesn't actually say he's embarrassed by his family. It's, but um, there. But, but he's embarrassed by it's him. very clear. Well, and I would
0: say that he is not currently a loser, but there is a little loser inside him, the person that's afraid of rejection exactly he, his fear is that he is going to be one of them. yeah,
3: it's 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 that and it's circumstantial. It's like it everything that's set up is, I you set him up at the beginning of like okay this team this guy seems cool okay like principal thinks he's a slacker but he's a cool guy he plays guitar he skateboard so in the eighties that's like you're automatically a yeah, cool kid. Yeah, yeah. has a pretty girlfriend has a pretty right. girlfriend
2: like right. there's
0: no like you're like what's what's hangs what's... out with a strange old man so, hangs out with
2: <laughs> – <laughs> <laughs>
3: like those principals trying to hang out with... <laughs> oh boy buddy um, well, come here sit on but my then hand. and then you and then you you get you get home. And you go, I mean, you go, mom doesn't want me hanging out with my girlfriend right. alone. Uh, dad is a loser and the car is wrecked. Right. So this has now ruined this thing. Right. And da- And then George McFly basically says to him, and this is the other thing that I think that's more important than I thought it was when I first thought younger, but like you get older, you watch it. He, j- dad and his brother are both saying to him, you don't need the stress and pressure of being up on stage anyways. Right. And that's actually really important. That is right. a moment where what he is learning from his dad, and this is where you're like, you're going down the road where you're probably going to be a loser yep. is the lesson you're learning from home is don't try because the stress and pressure, if you don't make it and if you right. do make it, it's going to be so much work. Like they're setting him up to go down a path to become just like them. They're
1: teaching them, the, him the fear of failure rather right. than yes. the joy of Absolutely. success. Yeah. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. help. Hello, Cinephiles fans. You know, we all kind of walk around with these stressors, big, small, medium in our lives that are triggered sometimes by frustrations at work or frustrations at our job or just frustrations overall about our life because sometimes, you know this, if you compare, you despair and you just want to live a life that's a little bit more clean and accepting of yourself and a little more open to receiving positive messages for yourself so you can have that life that you want to live and have that
0: great work-life balance and it's not always easy. And for me, for years and years, I thought all of this stress, all of this hardship, I had to just carry on my own that this is what it meant to be a man. And it was finally getting therapy where I realized like, oh, I don't have to carry that stuff. There's a place where I can unburden myself and actually get advice and guidance about how to deal with it better in the future. Yeah, Steve, you and I have spoken very proudly about how therapy has helped both of of us deal with our stressors in our
1: lives. And if any of you are listening to us who are thinking of starting therapy, well, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. All you have to do is to fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge if things aren't
0: working out, which I think is a great benefit. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash cinephiles today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash c-i-n-e-f-i-l-e-s. There's so many things that happen in the scene. And one thing I want to point out is, and this is more of a filmmaking thing, is that the base there's a very basic process the way you shoot a scene. And the basic process is you shoot a master first, which means the big shot that has everything in it. And then you go in and do over-the-shoulders or close-ups or inserts as you go. And the reason you do it this way is that first of all, it allows the crew to see the whole scene. Because you know, if you just start with a close-up, well, you might never know what that other person is doing. It might not get locked in properly. It also gives you a chance to light the whole scene properly. So you have exactly how everything's going to look. So when you go in maybe the next day or something on someone's close-up, you can light it to match the master. It's also more efficient in terms of time because time is so important on the set. When they shot this film, they didn't do it that way Hmm. because Michael J. Fox was on Family Ties. And so what happened was they went and shot all of the close-ups, the coverage of the characters with a stand-in being Michael J. Fox. And then Michael J. Fox would roll onto the set at nine o'clock at night and they would then shoot the master in his coverage. And then he would leave and they would do anything else without him. That's just a crazy difficult way to make a film. And so all the scenes where you see Crispin Glover, you see – they're always acting not with Mike Fox. Oh, wow. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. I can't tell you how hard that is. And it also shows why Zemeckis has the kind of a brain that can do Back to the Future 2 where you have all these multiple – you have to keep so much in your head. Or to do Forrest Gump or things like that where there's so much – complexity and the way you shot it that means the director has to be able to visualize the movie and it's not really being in front of him mm-hmm. um one more thing that's so again we're just planting everything because the other thing we plant is the way that mom and dad met which is grandpa hit dad with a car Yep.
2: if grandpa hadn't hit him then none of you would have been born yeah well still don't understand what dad was doing in the middle of the street what was it george
4: bird watching what lorraine what?
0: And even the little what were you doing in the middle of the street, Dad?
4: <laughs> Bird watching? What, Lorraine? What?
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, and this is fascinating. Crispin is so, and we should take a moment. We have we to on take it.
0: We definitely have to take a several moments for Crispin Glover is
1: one of the most unusual performances yes. in a film ever. Should not have. Any business working in a film like this, yet somehow it absolutely does because he is so far out there. Yet he's not so far out there to lose the continuity I mean, or the realism that you're trying to establish that in the laugh movie.
3: When he's watching yeah. honeymooners, hey, Honey, which again is a plant, It's another plant. Uh, but like there, there, <laughs> the, the, the Rick Messina laugh. All right,
4: McClung, you mentioned me, McClung. <laughs> ah, ah, ah.
0: It is. It's so weird. It is. What? He, well, he's weird. I mean, look. Well, me he said it was. A,
1: he said this is. A, he said it on Letter or whatever these interviews. did not the one he kicked it. Letter, <laughs> but some other interview. I think most recently they interviewed about it. He said to me, "This was a drama." Right. I played it as a drama the but whole time. This is why he's not a sane person. Right. I mean, yeah. he he didn't see the comedy in this at all. So he, they, he played a certain way. The Eric Stoltz, this is how they directed him. So he's like, this is the way I'm playing it. This is what you want. This is how I'm playing it. Well, if
3: he thought it's he was playing it for a drama, I mean, like, well, it's so... It's it so works. crazy. But, I mean, if you really do think about it, like, you think through his performance and everything he mm-hmm. does, like, I think what works for the movie is... He's dead serious for the yeah. whole thing. I yeah, mean, yeah like, sure. Well, that's the way to play comedy. Yeah.
0: But his character is insane.
3: I right. Mean, the, well, the, the, especially, the like, especially like Loser George McFly. Like, yeah. Like, it yeah, is just, just
0: like- so crazy. And Leah Thompson, her performance is fantastic yeah. as old mom and i love the moment too because we go on after we describe about the getting hit by the car and brought up to a room and she just he looked like a lost puppy and then they go to the what the daughter calls the fish under the sea or something yeah, yeah, yeah it's like no it's the enchanted under the sea dance and she describes like them having their first kiss and then she looks at him and she says
2: it was then that i realized that i was gonna spend the rest of my life with him oh, 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 oh,
0: oh, oh. and that look from her while he is laughing at the honeymooners, and she has her big glass of vodka, is so sad. It is. And I wonder how many moms
1: at this time who watched this movie felt the same way about their husbands, like... They didn't turn out the way I thought. Strangely, sure Karen, was a beautiful... Karen was
0: drinking a big glass of vodka when we were watching this film. <laughs> Wait a <laughs> minute. She did look over at me. Huh. <laughs> just, there's so much about Hold this on, film guys. that isn't just... Oh, no. It just got real.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: there's so much about this film that isn't just for teenagers, right? There's something here to explore. And you're right, Leah Thompson's performance, considering she is, what, either the same age or younger than Michael J. Fox, I don't think, or so not that much young. older, yeah.
0: uh, is incredible her yeah. old uh, Leah Thompson. Both, in both roles. Or
1: middle-aged Leah Thompson.
0: Yeah. yeah, in both roles. It's the middle of the night. Marty gets a call from Doc and, did you fall asleep? And the answer, yes, he did fall asleep. And he grabs his video camera and he heads off to the mall. The Twin Pines Mall. The Twin Pines Mall.
2: <laughs>
0: he sees Einstein at the truck. The Einstein is the dog. And there's a big noise and there's smoke as the back of the truck opens up. And this is an entrance. Yep. <laughs> the entrance of the DeLorean. This is perfectly beautifully shot it comes out just billowing with smoke and uh the music stings as it backs out the camera moves along the car and that gold wing door opens up and before we get to doc brown i want to tell you another little thing originally the time machine was not built into a delorean the time machine was built into a refrigerator oh yes huh and Steven Spielberg thought that was great, and and they just kept I'll going it again in crystal skulls. Yeah, That's what say. I'm saying. <laughs> the two oh elements that God. didn't stay. And where what was that conclusion of this film? a, a nuclear explosion. <laughs> oh,
2: Steven, the gun. <laughs>
0: Steven. Some things get cut for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> um. But Z- Zemeckis and Bob Gale well, were not satisfied with the refrigerator. They said, you know what? We want it to be portable. And then they were, they actually were trying to find a car that looked the most like us. Rocket ship, and naturally a DeLorean. Interesting, and it's so funny because today I don't think the level of the DeLorean jokes actually works for it. No one knows that stuff yeah, anymore. The John DeLorean story, but in the eighties, this is a big deal. Yeah. He was caught for, you know, he was caught on Co- tape, cocaine, cocaine and dealing, and the company
3: collapsed. Yeah, like, well, yeah. and also, I think Back to the Future single handedly just made DeLoreans cool. DeLoreans, like, if I ever see yeah, DeLorean, I'm like, point. ah, 88 miles per hour. Oh, like... <laughs> so
0: the, the goal wing door that? of that DeLorean uh, opens, and out comes Doc Brown, yeah. the best, so great. You want to know who was originally cast? Who it's actually really good and would have worked, John Lithgow. Ooh, oh, interesting. Uh... Not as good as Christopher Lloyd, I don't think, for this role, because Christopher Lloyd is Doc Brown. He is.
3: I mean that's yeah, that's the hard thing. Is like like I can definitely see a John Lithgow Doc Brown. Yeah. But like and that would that would be great. But like like this is like you know, I mean Christopher Lloyd, this is the most iconic thing like Doc Brown is the eighties. Yeah. I
1: kinda wanna find I kinda wanna slip into that universe where Doc where Doc Brown is John Lithgow, Eric Stoltz is Martin Fly, <laughs> and
0: Melora Harden is Jennifer.
4: Was he a casualty of the Eric Stoltz? No. Film he,
0: he he had a drop out right at the like a, a month before. He yeah. did he never shot.
4: There's a universe where I would like to see that movie.
0: I mean John is a fine actor. Yes. Yeah. Certainly you could say that Third Rock from the Sun portrayal is essentially a version of Doc Brown. Sure. Yeah. You could say that. You could say that, but I will also say that nothing is Christopher Lloyd. True, (laughs) what he does is so (laughs) insane. Apparently, he would never go full on in rehearsal, so they never knew what he was (laughs) going to do. So he would kind of halfway do it, and then when they would shoot, he would do some crazy stuff. And what they finally started doing was they went, "We're just going to shoot all the rehearsals because we can't." Because they would blow the take anyway. Because he would. Because you have to measure to get focus distance, and cameramen have to know what you're going to do, and the dolly dolly grip, and all. those people they didn't know so they just like we're just gonna shoot all the rehearsals and force him to go 100 (laughs) 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 percent. and once he locked it in he was very consistent but man his performance is wild
1: welcome to my latest experiment this is a big one the one i've been waiting for all my life
0: and we're gonna videotape this experiment and we show him and so Marty who has a video camera starts rolling and he introduces himself and this is a temporal experiment and he puts Einstein in the DeLorean and he straps it in and then he notes that you have two like stopwatches that they're in sync and he pulls out a big remote which controls the car which is awesome and he sends that car away backs it way up my calculations are
1: correct When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. (laughs) (laughs) And
3: every little kid in the 80s, he
4: said shit. (laughs) And then in the edited for TV TV version, you're going to see some serious stuff. I don't know
0: what is the purpose of having him spin the wheels for like thirty seconds before the car actually well, also, goes.
3: Let's talk basic science safety. I <laughs> oh get boy. it. Oh boy, you're gonna hit eighty miles per hour. It's gonna disappear. Maybe just don't have it drive right up. you. Don't stand right. Like you know, <laughs> I get it. It's cool. And also, then I love I love eighty special effects. Like when I was a kid, I was like, this looks so real. And I'm like, well, you're standing in fire, and mm-hmm. I don't know like why is your foot not on why fire right now?
0: <laughs> well there's the moment too where marty starts to step out of the way of the oncoming yeah. car and doc gives him a look and he steps back and i'm like no that's <laughs> literally a car coming can, towards me i can actually
3: videotape this from over <laughs> here, yeah. over here.
0: Good. we'll get the same effect um <laughs> but the car does disappear and doc is celebrating and of course marty at first thinks that he disintegrated einstein which he didn't
1: jesus christ doc you disintegrated einstein calm down marty i didn't disintegrate anything the molecular structure of both einstein and the car are completely intact where the hell are they the appropriate question is when the hell are they you see einstein has just become the world's first time traveler i sent him into the
4: future.
0: And then we have, of course, Marty's amazing line, which is.
4: Wait a minute.
2: Wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Besides, the stainless steel construction
1: made the flux dispersal.
0: And then all of a sudden he realizes it's a minute and pushes Marty out of the way. And the DeLorean reappears, now strangely covered in ice. Look out. So where did he go? What do you mean? Where did the dog go? It went a
3: minute for time. He went a minute forward in time. He wasn't gone for a minute. He just jumped time. Why is it covered in ice? I think the re entry? (laughs) Apparently, some effect of time travel. Because, oh, I, I mean,
1: you've got all the science facts. Uh, your finger. <laughs> well, when just say someone, when you say someone goes age.
3: a minute into the future, like yeah. he yeah. didn't go somewhere else for a minute. He literally went I a believe, minute I into the Dr. future. I believe Doc Brown right.
0: says it's not where the hell he did he go, it's when the hell did he go.
4: As right. far as Einstein is concerned, the trip was instantaneous. Yeah. Right. That's and why his watch is exactly one minute behind mine. Yes, <laughs> Right. It's all right there in the dialogue, John.
0: It is. But the ice isn't. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And then he opens up the DeLorean and shows him all the here's a whole bunch of exposition. Here's the flux capacitor, here's the time we're going to, here's the time we came from. It says you could go back to 1776.
3: <laughs> I love the joke of you could go see the birth of Christ on December 25th, year 0. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and then but then he they do really seamlessly just give you the information you need which is and here was a great day for science. Eleven, 5, which is what gets at, which is why that's put, uh, put in there but it's like it just it it gives you exactly the right information. This was the day I discovered this. I'm standing on the toilet. It like... says exactly what happened. Christopher Lloyd is
0: so great. And his little, like, he's very excited, and then a wistful look comes over his face as he's describing this.
2: Things have certainly changed around here. I remember when this was all
1: farmland as far as the eye could see. Old man Peabody owned all of this. He had this crazy idea about breeding pine trees.
3: Well, and like you were saying, like exposition is always really hard. And when you have an actor like Christopher Lloyd, you can basically be like, just like this happens a lot where you're like, give this character all the exposition because it'll be fine. Right. I mean, that happens a lot where you're just like, let's just do this. And like with Christopher Lloyd, it's like he literally just talks for a few minutes about time travel and gives you all the information you need about the DeLorean, how it works, and you're just like, Yeah, I'm I'm thoroughly entertained by all this. I'm not bored at all. Well, and not just that, he
0: also goes, Oh, 30 years ago, this used to be all farmland, and there was this guy who wanted to breed pine trees right you know all of this is all necessary information it's It's crazy
4: this is uh this is heavy duty doc this is
1: great uh does it run like on on regular unleaded gasoline unfortunately no it requires something with a little more kick plutonium uh plutonium wait a minute Are are you telling me that this sucker is nuclear hey 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 keep rolling keep rolling there no 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 this sucker's electrical but I need a nuclear reaction to generate the 1.21 gigawatts of electricity I need.
0: So you've actually pronounced the word gigawatts. Not, <laughs> Not... anymore, you
2: don't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Apparently, Zemeckis and Gail interviewed a scientist who pronounced it gigawatts and they wrote it in a script with the J. Oh, that's so funny. And they always pronounce it that way until later on, everyone's like, that's it's Giga. Giga is, you know, like gigabits, yeah. giga giga is the actual word.
3: Giggita giga da gig gig.
1: <laughs> I bet that scientist was like, as soon as he said it and didn't want to correct himself. Maybe he's just like, I'm just gonna keep saying gigawatts. <laughs> yeah. And we'll what say, I, don't, I
0: don't want to get in. And now there. with more exposition, we find that he ripped off the Libyans of their plutonium. Such yeah, terrible idea. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah, built them a fake bomb. Like this is, you don't <laughs> think this is gonna, gonna come back to get you, yeah. dude? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look. Doc Brown knows things about the future, but he doesn't plan well. I mean, he makes important. Sort of argue. Choices. Doc Brown is He spent coolest. a lot more
3: time getting all those clocks to be a half hour ahead than thinking through this plutonium <laughs> plan. This is this is the
1: coolest version. of Doc Brown is in this movie. The second and third, not so, well, not even, as cool or fun. My
3: favorite thing this about this. Cool. One of my favorite things about the entire series is that he literally says in this scene that he would go to the. He would. He would love to see how all of these games turn out so he can, like, right. play some bets. Yeah. He, no, then, he, doesn't
0: say, he doesn't say that.
3: He says, I. I can find out how 25 years of World Series comes but, out. Yeah, He doesn't why say anything want, about placing okay, bets. Okay, he doesn't place bets, but, like, but why – But that, that's – the When you say, late. I yeah. would like to see how 25 years of World Series games turn out, like – Right, sure. There's All a right, reason great. for that. I just find it real. I always find it really funny that, like, the, the thing they just ha- decided to hang their hat on in the second movie was that one thing that, like, right. yeah, it's very, like yeah. –
0: yeah. Which, by the way, they say they had no thought of a second movie. They hadn't. That's. So there was no oh, yeah. surprise.
3: Yeah. No. That and uh, yeah. That I mean, that's well documented. I think that whole "to be continued" thing was just a. Yeah. Be, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, the yeah, "to be
0: continued" yeah. thing was only added on the
3: VHS. Right.
0: Uh-huh. It's not in the actual. That's VHS, one of those
3: urban things, like the urban legend things, like the Bernstein Bears, like how you people, like everyone remembers. You know, I don't know what this is. There's like, no there's one like the. Remembers the Bernstein Bears. No, I know what they are. I've read those books to my so, son. So there's, there's these articles that are written like so Bernstein Bears, everybody remembers it spelled Bernstein Bears, not like E I N, not A I N, but it was never spelled that way. And people swear that that's a mistake, just like people swear that they remember seeing to be continued. Oh, in the movie theater, uh, mm. at think like, people will like it, it's it's a thing that's ingrained in their memories to a point where they're like, no, that people will swear to you that they were in the movie theater and that was the first time I saw it to be continued, and I thought it was amazing, and yeah, not not a thing, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> um, and Doc is packing up his suitcase to put in the car because he's going to go into the future.
1: What am I thinking of? I almost forgot to bring extra plutonium. How do I ever expect to get back? One pellet, one sip. I must be out of my mind.
0: Which is, again, another plant. And just as he's going to plant it, uh, Einstein looks over and he goes, I, what's
3: that? I smell terrorists. <laughs> he smells
0: terrorists. And we turn and there are the Libyans in a VW bus. All Latinos. All Latinos, yeah. are
2: they?
0: Uh, <laughs> all Latino
3: actors. Oh, the 80s, man. Yeah, the 80s. It's the 80s.
1: Once <laughs> you see one brown guy, you see seen them all. Uh, such an interesting plotline though to have Libyan terrorists at well, the time in '85 is a big deal. Sure, Libya, yeah. but also it, it is like it's America.
3: one of those things and uh you know I mean Back to the Future holds up much better than a lot of other movies in the '80s does. But the casual use of terrorists for just right. like you know, yeah. in the world we live in today, you're like, if if we're going into terrorism, like this is a serious movie. But yeah, this is like not that. And you're like, yeah, I stole some. Uh, maybe they wanted a bomb. They wanted to build a nuclear <laughs> weapon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: That's why Stoltz was playing. Said, this is tragic.
3: <laughs> this is super tragic. I think Stoltz. <laughs> I think Eric what like Stoltz a rare I'm insight. Doing a movie about terrorism and <laughs> science <laughs> and a time machine, man. <laughs> um,
0: and I might have sexual attraction to my mother. Yeah, I
1: might be sleep with my mom, <laughs> dude. That is that's an independent it's film.
0: That's some edible stuff. Right that there. is an independent. You know film, what? Son. Doing the indie dark Back to the Future. Oh, <laughs> that's what I am saying. It's not I a bad idea. Want into that future, get what Eric Stoltz about? to to play Doc
3: Brown. <laughs> Oh, do it now, now man! Now oh. that—that's a money maker right there. You just don't, nobody steal that idea. Listening,
0: terrorists and time
3: travel guys. I gotta and... talk to you guys afterwards about a business investment that I'm thinking about. Um, so
0: Doc, so they're coming in. They've got guns. Doc pulls out a gun. they have bazookas, man. That's his guns, <laughs>
3: like, a bazooka. And Don't bring a pistol to a bazooka fight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Marty watches them gun down so- uh, Doc.
3: Yeah. Again, tragic. Like tragic. Eric Stoltz wasn't wrong. Like, it's a yeah. very upsetting movie. <laughs> yeah.
0: And we, we have uh, Marty with the classic, "No, you bastards!" Oh, God. that's yeah. Um, that was some tough
4: acting from Michael yeah. Fox in that moment. Um, he just put a full dance set on.
0: Yeah, fair, it's fair, <laughs> fair. He was fair. really tired. He nice. was arguing <laughs> with
4: Meredith Baxter.
0: <laughs> he was channeling it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you
1: bastards <laughs> meredith I was just, picturing. How many,
3: just picturing a bunch of meredith baxter bernies in that vw <laughs> in chasing down. <laughs> you're
1: trying to kill my career
4: how many objects they acting. have in <laughs> saying meredith Mer- you bastard
3: you
1: bastard <laughs> uh Robert's like uh, michael uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> man
0: you did it again so th- we can't put blonde wigs on the terrorists, Michael. <laughs> so they corner they corner him. They're about to shoot him, and the gun jams. Yeah. And he jumps into, as we knew he would, into the DeLorean, starts speeding away. There is a very fun car chase in which uh, it almost gets up to 88, and then it doesn't, and then he turns, because you got to tease it a little bit. Yeah. And then that big bazooka comes out behind him that he sees in the side view mirror, and then he punches it, and right up to 88, and slams into a, a scarecrow and then slams into the barn.
3: And I do like, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, it's one of those little things, but I love that we're with him in the perspective. Like, we don't ever see the moment from the outside, like from the, what the living see. We don't see that amazing moment again where the DeLorean disappears. We're right. literally in the car with him. Yeah. We see a them all. We see a scarecrow. So here's what's interesting
0: about this. It goes to ILM as the um, effects company that's handling all this, and they spent a whole lot of time developing what does time travel look like. And they came up with all this conceptual art and everything you would see as you went through time travel. And finally, Zemeckis said, "No, it's instantaneous. You don't see nothing. There is nothing to see." And I was thinking about this because you don't go anywhere. Because you don't go anywhere, and it's literally it's like Einstein didn't. You <laughs> went somewhere with ice. <laughs> i know that much um and i was thinking about it's like huh what did ilm do one year later which is star trek 4 which has the weirdest time travel sequence in the history of the universe right that is so i think i liked it when i saw it in 1986 but man it is a weird. Oh sequence. man, can you can you imagine like Martin McFly's head becoming
1: clouds? <laughs> Nimbus cloud, a weird uh, The Einstein showing
3: up as a cloud formation. <laughs> that would be brilliant. Um, I just love the idea that somebody a year later was like, "What are we going to do?" You're like, I'll tell you what you're tell you
1: do.
4: Go get the file. The
1: <laughs> <laughs> guy that lit the dog food. I'll tell, I'll tell you what <laughs> you we do. <need laughs> <through that laughs> <time. laughs> we'll
3: working on
2: that on the oh show.
4: What was <laughs> the Star Trek time travel scene that killed his career? <laughs> Back to dog
3: food. <laughs> <laughs> you need some time travel or some dog food. I'm your guy. <laughs>
0: so he crashes into this barn and immediately lights come on in the house and then that family got up quick oh yeah as they come down they open up the door to the barn they see the delorean and and the dad goes oh it's a rocket ship and the kid goes no dad look and shows him a comic book which has like uh zombies from outer space on it and i have to tell you a brief story so sid scheinberg who is the big super powerful executive? He made several good suggestions, which he suggested that they change the name of uh Marty's mom from Meg to Lorraine. Mm-hmm. He suggested that don't call him Professor Brown, call him Doc Brown. Another really good suggestion. Yeah. He also suggested a new title. He was not happy with the title Back to the Future. He said this should be called Spaceman from Pluto. Oh Jesus. I'm sorry? <laughs> he saw the thing on the comic book, which was like zombies from Pluto or space zombies from Pluto. He should said it should be called space man from Pluto. And he sent this as a note to Spielberg, Zemeckis and Gale. And they're like, what do we do? I mean, this is an unbelievably powerful person who's asked this. How do we say that this is the, we can't do this. And they all love the title back to the future, obviously. So this is what's how Spielberg handles it. And I think this is so brilliant. He writes Scheinberg a note that says, Dear Sid, thanks so much for sending us that this morning. We all had such a great laugh. What a funny thing to send. You made our morning. That was hilarious. Thanks so much for everything, Steven.
1: Wow.
0: And they never heard of it
3: again. That is a baller move. Right? Baller, baller, baller move. Baller hey. move.
2: Spielberg took a chance. That's a
1: Spielberg move. Yeah, it's Spielberg, <laughs> <a> Spielberg move. <laughs> Only he can get away
3: with that move.
0: He has some Wavos, man. Yeah. Um, so, and as they're the this family is looking at this car, the Goldwing wing door pops open, and out comes Marty McFly. What we haven't mentioned was they have these radiation suits, and he has the mask down, and the radiation suit suit looks like the character in the comic book, and they run screaming, yeah. and he falls down.
3: And then I love when he comes out and he's got the hood up so you're like okay well like now they'll see he's a human they're like the son he's already started mutating taking on the human form you're like whoa and then, what is it and the dad's like You mutated (laughs) bastard! And they open fire on him with a
0: shotgun. That's right. He jumps back in the DeLorean. And by the way, they have three DeLoreans. One's the hero car, which is the car that looks perfect. Everything is built on it. Every detail is pristine and nice. The second is the stunt car, which they're like, you cannot show this in close shots, but this is what drives through the barn and does all the things that are difficult. The third is one for process shots. They've literally cut the DeLorean in pieces so you can be behind Marty looking forward through the the windshield. You could be on the side looking to the side. Um, and they've just cut the loin all in pieces. So he's in the stunt car right now, drives out of the barn, and at the Twin Pine Farm, <laughs> what does he do? Takes out a pine. Takes out a pine. And <laughs> <Again, it's laughs>
3: boy, so... is that farmer mad. Yeah. <laughs> My pine tree! <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he's gotten away, and he's driving, and he thinks, okay, this is a dream, i got to get a grip on myself, and then he slams on his brakes, because there he sees the Lion Estates, which is where his family lives and it's just a big open field of uh, the entrance gate which we had seen in the previous scene where he got to his house and a big sign that says opening soon Lion
3: Estates and uh, what is it? it says something like uh live in the house of tomorrow today oh, or something so like that like down. it like it's clearly set up like these are going to be this going to be this amazing perfect neighborhood and you're like no it's a real shithole in 85 <laughs> Um and he
0: he he yells at some people that are driving by. Please, you got to help me! And they run away. Yeah. And then the woman it... does
4: not want her husband to stop. <laughs> no, she <laughs> really <laughs> does not. That was great.
0: Um and then of course his car won't start and he has to push it down behind some bushes. And we go back to Hill Valley, to the beautiful sounds of Mr. Sandman. Mr. Sandman, um, bring me a dream. Boom.
3: boom. <laughs> very musical episode it of Files. <laughs> it yeah. is. its it been a lot of singing. Mr. Sandman, bring me a dream. Make
2: her complexion like
0: and we see this whole new world. We see there's a movie theater with a uh, Ronald Reagan, uh, Barbara Stanwyck movie uh, playing. I think it's Queen of Montana. Uh, he's distracted and a car honks at him. He looks over at a car pulling into the Texaco station and four guys come out, which I, I remember... People like checking your oil and doing your windshield and pumping your gas. My son had no idea what was happening. He's like, what's What's happening there? Um, apparently, Texaco gave them everything. They, that is the, they gave them the actual design of Texaco stations, wow. Texaco pumps, Texaco uniforms from their That's archives. Awesome. Yeah. And then that company went bankrupt. So, you know, <laughs> um, we see the big music playing is Davy Crockett and 16 tons. We see a kid bouncing around on spring shoes. We see the beautiful pristine town square the moving clock tower where the bell goes off and he sees a guy throw away a newspaper he looks at it and sees the date and he's still going this has got to be a dream and he sees a sign for a telephone public telephone in the soda shop he goes into the soda shop which in the future in the 80s was like a jazzercise studio right yeah um, this is, by the way, one of the few internal, uh, interior slash exterior sets on the Universal lot. Most of these buildings, you can't go in. In this one, you can go in. It's been in tons of things. Uh, he goes in, and someone says,
2: Hey, kid,
1: what'd you do, jump ship? What? What's with the life preserver?
0: This is a joke that goes over and over again. Oh, yeah.
3: They just don't stop with
1: that life jacket. Nope. And whenever I wear my vests around the Collider <laughs> offices, I get that crack every single time by somebody. Well, but like, and so now it's become, it's
3: become so like tied to this movie that, like, whenever like anyone is wearing one of those vests, you're like, eh, what's your Marty McFly going on over there? Even if you're not wearing an orange one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, he goes to the back, looks in the phone book, finds Doc Brown's address, tears the page out right in front of the guy, which I was like, dude, what are you pe- tearing out pages in right. my phone book? And then um, he asked about the address. And the guy says, so, so are you going to order something? And I love this bunch of jokes.
3: Give me, give me a tab. Tab? I can't give you a tab unless you order something.
1: All right. Give me a Pepsi free. You want a Pepsi, pal? You're going to pay for it.
4: Look, just give me something without any sugar in it, okay? Something without sugar.
0: And out comes a cup of coffee. <laughs> That's a great little run of jokes. Even if nobody today knows what a tab is. <laughs>
3: that's true but I don't Horror think like, this movie, I also like uh, there's this one moment when he's is in the phone booth ripping on the thing but like he's got his little digital watch that beeps Oh, and there's this moment oh, where like, yeah. the guy running the diner like looks at him funny and it's like it's a really great thing like we talk about this a lot in movies uh, you know it came up uh, you know with Captain Marvel and the whole like should she know what a flannel is like, like right. when you're really when you're really on top of your game with your writing and they really are they thought of every single thing that he would have on him or that he would say or that he would do and they're like what's everything that would be in congress what's everything that wouldn't work that people wouldn't know and they just and that's that's where you get all of these great jokes and it just doesn't stop yeah. like they ne- no like like there's there's a lot of movies that come out today where they would have somebody in a vest like that and just it wouldn't occur to them to have anybody remark on it and they just have everybody remark on it it's so
0: i, I just i'm just so in awe of the screenplay not because of like the de- the beautiful dialogue and not because of like depth of character or huge meaning or anything just of like This is tight and hard to do, and he sits down next to someone who we don't exactly see, and then we hear "Hey McFly," and there is a perfect turn in sync because he's sitting next to his dad. dad.
3: Well, and even like leading into it, he gets gets frustrated. He's so stressed out, he sort of leans down and he puts his hand on his head. Yeah, that's right. And so even before you hear, you get "Hey McFly." They are in matching poses, father and son. And then when you hear it, and they both turn together, it's.
0: And there's, there's young Biff, and we basically play out the same scene, yeah. except now it's about homework.
3: Oh, hey, Biff. Hey, guys. How are you
4: doing? Yeah, you got my homework finished, McFly? Uh, well, actually, I figured since it wasn't due till
3: Monday. Hello?
0: Hello? Anybody home? Hey, think, McFly.
3: Think. I gotta have time to recopy. Do you realize what would happen if I hand in my homework and your handwriting? i will get kicked out of school. You wouldn't want that to happen, would you?
0: um and young crispin glover man his what he does is just crazy
3: and marty mcfly's face i mean michael j fox's face for this whole scene is great because like it just there's there's not really a change in his face he just has this like wide-eyed like what is happening and it doesn't change he just like for the entire scene he's just like what? it's amazing well
0: and this is why like michael j fox is amazing he deserved being this huge star at this moment he is so good and so funny and gets the tone just right, unlike Eric Stoltz. Yeah. Um and and again we get another life preserver joke and uh and then they the Biff and his gang, by the way, Billy Zane is one of the guys in the gang. Yeah. And Casey Casey Shemosko. Oh, really? And then Who's there's a the
1: pugilist th- in Young Gun. And then there's oh. your the friend guy. Billy
0: Zane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and they head out. It's a really nice two-shot with uh, George and Marty sitting in the foreground, seeing the guys leave in the background. And then we cut to this shot, which is exactly how you don't do things, which is that you have the profile of George, and Marty is totally obscured behind him. Oh yeah. And then he slowly peeks <laughs> out from behind George's profile in this with this completely stunned, bewildered expression on his face. It's amazing.
2: What?
4: You're George McFly. Yeah, who are you?
0: And just as as, as George is going, what, what are you staring at me? And just as he starts to talk about him, up comes Goldie. <laughs> Why don't
4: you let those guys treat you like that? Yeah. Well, they're bigger than me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and Goldie says, "If you let people treat like like that, now they're going to be taking advantage of you the rest of your life." Yeah.
4: Look at me. You think I'm gonna spend the rest of my life in this slop house? Watch it, Goldie. No, sir. I'm gonna make something of myself. I'm going to night school, and one day I'm gonna be somebody. That's right. He's gonna be mayor.
3: Mayor. By the way, one of the eighties. The eighties are so good at casual racism, but like, which is like, it's like true. <laughs> that just, is a quote. Well, because it's like, it's true. It's like it's. It's one of those things, like obviously, like that's the setup for the joke, and then yes. you're know, well, the colored guy's never going to be mayor, and you're like, I am going to be mayor. You'll see, but you're like, it's this thing where we're like, okay, it's the '50s, so we're going to establish that racism's a thing, but it's like, it's like friendly racism, like yeah, you're just my buddy, you're my boss, it's okay, and you're like, yeah, because
2: the coffee shop
3: owner says that that'll be the day,
2: <laughs>
3: right? By the way, I love that coffee shop owner. He is a He's perfect great. character. He's actor. great, and again, like not, I'm not knocking on back no, to the no, future, no. like it is, what it, but it was, it's one of those differences of the way things, like. You don't, that doesn't happen. You don't do that in movies anymore.
0: Here's my question. And this goes into time travel rules.
3: I knew you, I knew, by the way, I knew when I was watching the movie, preparing for this, that you were going to say what you're about to say, but please go. Well, well, so did,
0: does Goldie decide to become mayor because Marty gives him the idea? That's how it appears in the scene. Yes. Except that all changes in back to the future time travel rules affect the future. Therefore, in the future, he shouldn't have been mayor. Because Marty had never gone back in time right.
3: to tell him that. So when we're in Hill Valley in the beginning of the movie, you see that Goldie is mayor. That's why Michael J. Fox right. says it. But when Michael J. Fox goes back and says he's going to be mayor and he's like, yeah, I am going to be mayor. That's clearly where he gets the idea to be mayor, yeah. which never would have happened if in the timeline in time. where before Marty went back in time. So here, let me let me
0: give you a different example. If you look at the mm. clock tower... Um, in the beginning of the movie, there is no hole where Doc's foot slipped through the clock tower where it broke. And when you go to the end of the movie, that hole is there because the future has been changed by things that were done in the past, just as right. Marty's parents were changed. But Goldie was already mayor in the previous timeline. Oh. Therefore Marty didn't change him to be mayor. Yeah. And Chuck Berry and Johnny B. Good clearly exist in the previous timeline. So he mm-hmm. Chuck Berry couldn't have heard Johnny B good from Marty.
3: So I have two answers. Yes. One, one is, is it's a movie. One is, Well one is, one is the setup is so good. Like and this this does happen sometimes. Like sometimes when you write writing something, you go you go okay. Cuz like these guys to your point, if they figured out that the clock tower doesn't have the hole in right. first 1985 and it does, they clearly thought this through and knew what they were doing. Yes. So A, sometimes the joke is just worth it. Yep. And in oh, yeah. both of these cases, Marty's saying that's going to be mayor. Yeah, I am going to be mayor. And the Johnny B. Good stuff. The joke is just good enough that you go, we're going to do this because it's good enough. The other thing, the pseudoscience time travel sure. is that when you've dealt with multiverses and other stuff and you've read a lot of comics, sometimes things can happen in both timelines but right. in different ways. So uh, my, the way that I just justify it in my nerdy time travel canon is that um, – in the original 1985, Johnny B. Good got written in yep. some other way, and Goldie at some point decided he was gonna be married. Who we
0: knew was ambitious and working hard and going to night school. Marty Ready. McFly yeah. coming
3: back in time changed it slightly. Right. And so some things he changed drastically. His parents. Like his parents. And some things just maybe happened a little faster. Like I'm fine with this. Yeah. It's
0: yeah. It's funny. Like there's
3: <laughs> By the way, I love that we we're like, eh, let's talk about science. Roka's face right now is like. Yeah, okay. Time travel. No, yeah, I don't know. It was, it was a big
0: deal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> he, could, he could have been mayor in multiple timelines. Sure. So it doesn't matter if he mentioned it or not. It still could have occurred anyway. I would say. It's but th- I appreciate all your exchanging long words about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it really, it is. And you're right. I think you're right. Sometimes a joke is worth it. Sometimes a joke, Sometimes you, the joke is worth it. And good writing
0: means you can get away with it. Yeah. 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 Um. I would say, as time travel rules go, Back to the Future is probably my favorite. Um, yeah. Terminator time travel rules are basically. It's all gonna happen anyway. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> you're doing is really making a difference. Here. I, I've never
1: seen well, a more useless series.
3: Terminator One is that, and then Terminator Two goes out of its way to say it's not all destined to be. We're on our own. Like they, they and actually, then, and then later on they go, uh, and then oh. later on it goes off the rails with time yeah. travel rules. Like it's good. Like Back yeah. to the Future does have a very consistent yes. set of rules, and like bend a little bit, as we have said, and a character that is so good and entertaining with exposition that they can literally whiteboard their theory of time travel. And it works like, as you're a, like
0: as opposed to Star Trek, which is just the worst. Star
3: Trek is just, I, yeah,
0: oh, we're creating new timelines all over the place, and, and yeah, they're violating the prime directive all over the place in
1: that film. Nerd time. <laughs>
3: <laughs> because just because in the world of, in the Star Trek universe, human beings are the hold my beer of the Federation. They really are <laughs> just going around. Oh, by no. the way, that's not me. That's that's from the internet. Somebody has written this whole oh, it's extended thing about how the, the, you have the Vulcans who are smarter, the Klingons yep. who are better fighters, but humanity has sort of somehow taken the my, the main spot because they are the hold my beer of the Federation, yeah, who just so does whatever the fuck they want, and the Vulcans are like, we don't I we don't know how they do it, but they yeah. seem to do it. Well, that is I, you Not know even what, a human American
1: humanity. Let's be real. Even Chekhov is an Americanized version of a Russian. So it's
0: American humanity. That says hold my beer. Well, it's funny that you say that because it just this is geeky. But at the very beginning of Kirk and Spock, Kirk, Kirk beats Spock at chess at yeah. 3D chess, which he does regularly, and it's just what you said. Wait, I'm way smarter than you. Yeah. Why do you keep beating me? And it's because. Yeah, there's it, it is.
3: If you look this up on the internet, and this is a sidebar from Back to the Future, but it's, it's very entertaining because this guy literally – it's something along the lines of he's like, the Vulcans are talking – someone else is talking to the Vulcans, and the Vulcans are like, look – They, we told them not to blow up the warp core, so they blew up the warp core, and that somehow sent them into an alternate timeline, and in that alternate timeline, they decided to kill bad versions of themselves. They built themselves another warp core, but had to use it for something else, but then somehow knocked themselves back into our timeline with more technology than they ever had before, and now we have all this technology that we've never had, so like, we just kind of let them do what they're going (laughs) to do, because... We assume they're going to just blow themselves up at some point. Yeah. We're going to take the benefit
1: of it while they're still around as a species. So George leaves the diner.
3: <laughs> Best segment. So George leaves the diner
0: and goes. Marty chases him to peep on Lorraine. <laughs> yes. Finds his bike. Looks up at his tree, and there's George with the binoculars hey, on. <laughs> I, uh, this would not be in a movie today.
3: No. This there's a lot
0: really... of things that would not be in a this movie today. One is...
1: Casual racism, casual sexism of the
0: 80s oh, yeah. is
3: off the charts as well. Casual rapiness at the end of the movie, but we'll get it. <laughs> well, sure. sure. But
0: but that is like that is a bad person doing a bad thing where yes. the hero stops it. Right. That is not one of the hero's dad yeah. who is spying on his mom. Right. Falls out of the tree, Marty pushes him out of the way of the car, and then Marty gets hit the way, by the car.
3: And one of the one of my favorite lines in the movie is I hit another one. I hit another one of those kids. I hit, kid, I hit another another one of those kids. Another One it. of these kids jumped in front of my car. <laughs> like right. How there's many a whole. Kids? There's a whole
1: separate subplot. Where Lorraine's dad is a child murderer. Oh yeah. <laughs> or it's just, just like has like, terrible no, eyes just, or something. Yeah. Like he's totally blind on the road, knocking over kids. Oh, and oh. that
4: sound that his. I mean, it's clearly Foley, but that sound that Michael J. Fox's head makes oh. when he. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> that clunk.
0: Um, well, and there's a great shot too of after it of Michael J. Fox in the background and then Crispin Glover sitting up into the foreground. And it's so perfect because that is a perfect plant payoff yeah. because we have established if dad hit my, you know, George with the car, they brought him up to my room and I thought, felt, seemed like a lost puppy and I fell in love with it. And the minute that Crispin Glover sits up, not being the person that gets hit in the car, we yeah. go, oh.
3: oh. Yeah. Marty has taken his spot in the timeline. Yep. Cut to the dark. <laughs> again this is one of those iconic back to the future scenes that gets repeated over and over and over again and this is the first one and it's so good
0: this scene is so good so my son watching it had, we had to stop the movie because he was like this scene is really creepy this is really creepy mm. it's creeping me out and i'm like you know what you're right <laughs> there's some weird stuff happening in the scene
2: mom is that you you are there now Asleep for almost nine hours now. Had a horrible nightmare. Dreamed that I went back in time. It was terrible. Well, safe and sound now, back in good old 1955. 1955?
0: Light turns on, and there is young Leah Thompson. She's gorgeous. Gorgeous. Beautiful. And her performance in this stuff is, I'm,
3: I'm, I'm lacking words. <laughs> she, I mean, it's just like every, every line in the scene is infused with just like pure, pure innocent sex, but pure sex, right? Like, she is, like, like, she like, is
0: horny and innocent. She is horny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she is so into in in a predatory way yeah like she wants to get what she wants to get right which
3: is (laughs) when When he asks where his pants are
2: where are my pants over there on my hope chest Like
3: that
0: might be I can remember being in the theater and hearing that line and just thinking that is the funniest line that is so brilliant and the whole scene is that I didn't know what a hope chest was but I got the (laughs) (laughs)
3: joke I got the joke and then
0: you know and as we discussed he calls him Calvin because he has the Calvin Klein purple underwear you
3: guys can talk about how beautiful she is in that scene I think young Michael Vogel had uh, some feelings about that purple underwear on Michael J. Fox I'm sure letting everybody Don't sully the film like. (laughs) Um, Listen, I'm just saying. He looked real cute in those little purple (laughs) Calvin Klein. And she comes over and
0: sits next to him, and then touches his face, and
3: it's so creepy. (laughs) My son is
1: right. This is creepy. It's like it, it, George. It's like uh, George Lucas goes, "Hey, I'm gonna get a little brother sister action." Steven Spielberg, hold my beer. I
0: got you beat on that, son. we me be- gonna see how far out we can go on this one. The Edipal. No one really got into the full Edipal power of time travel. I mean, that's like, <laughs> there's some stuff happening here.
3: But it's just such a great—I mean, like any scene is is built around like just that good push pull of conflict—and it's just like you're so with Marty on this. Mm. It's like, like you see what's happening and you get it, and you are a hundred percent with him of like, I this is weirding me out. And he, when he falls off the bed.
2: Hooray! Oh, oh. Oh. Are you up there? Oh my god! It's my motherfucker.
3: It's all perfect. Well, and, and
4: it's, the and jeans it's... Flying, the <laughs> jeans flying
2: off camera, hitting him in the face.
0: Well, and it's so perfectly set up with my mom must have been raised a nun. Right, right. You know, is that everything has been reversed in this one moment in the scene?
3: Oh, I don't like these girls that call boys and do that. I would never have done never. that. And you're like, hey, you're, girl, you were horny.
0: Downstairs, we're having dinner, and again, this is a scene where they shot everybody else first, and Michael J. Fox later, and then we get another life preserver joke. Um, and Dad is fixing the TV, and we have the kid with the like coonskin cap that's from the it's Wonder Years, uh, Jason
4: Hervey. Jason Hervey, Jason Hervey, Hervey right? Jason right. Yeah, yeah. Producer all, all
0: here in Hollywood for a while, and they, he meets all the kids, including little Joey in the playpen.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he cries whenever we take him out of this. You know, we just leave him in there all the time. well. This fi- this family has had a long history. Yeah.
1: What's the scene? he says to like? Quiet. He says, "Get used to these the cars." Get used to the bars kid. Kid. <laughs> That's brilliant. And
3: again, it's just like this is one of those things that is not required for the plot of the movie, but they do such a good job of just like the the fun of the time travel jokes. Like, there's a TV. Oh yeah, you know we've got two of them, and you're like, yeah. you know, two. Nobody kid. has Nobody has then And he's TVs. like, oh, I've seen this one, and just the look of all- especially like Lorraine's dad. He's like. This this is a new episode. He's like, no, it's a rerun, and they're just like, what? What's a a rerun? rerun? (laughs) Like, I mean, just like those. Like, it's just like it's so fun and it's so brilliant. And then, meanwhile, you got mom just getting handsy under the table.
0: (laughs) Um, and he asks where the Riverside Drive is, which is, and it ends up he's like, oh, that's JFK Drive.
3: (laughs) Who the hell is John John (laughs) F. (laughs) Kennedy?
0: Um, and they ask, maybe we should call your parents. He goes, oh, they're not there. And then it's
4: mother. Marty's parents out of town. Don't you think he ought to spend the night? I mean, after all, dad almost killed him with the car. That's true, Marty. I think maybe you should spend the night. I think you're our responsibility. Well,
3: gee, I don't know.
4: And he can sleep in my room.
3: In, in my, my room. room. By the way, I was like, someone is bald. <laughs> That's
0: what they call thirsty nowadays, kids. <laughs> and that hand, hand on the knee under the table and Marty is out of there. Yeah.
4: I gotta go, Uh, I gotta go Thanks very much, it was wonderful, you were all great Uh, See y'all later Much later
0: And I love, I love that He gets out and they're like, what strange boy And I love dad's last line
4: He's a very strange young man
3: He's an idiot
0: Comes
4: from upbringing Parents are probably idiots too Lorraine, you ever have a kid who
3: acts that way I'll disown you
1: <laughs> By the way, we missed out on never seeing the grandparents. Like we've missed out in this sure. movie never seeing Lorraine's parents or George's parents. That would have been an interesting extra scenes to shoot. That in might the, have had In some the Eric Stoltz of... version, we're gonna oh, get sure, we're, we're gonna right. get deep into that. <laughs> Your son's an
3: idiot. If we were if we, if Back to the Future was made today, that would be uh, in the world of Back to the Future movies, that would be the spin off movies. Yeah,
1: right.
0: <laughs> yes. But right now, Marty is heading off to Doc Brown's and he's gonna need his help if he's gonna set things right. Unfortunately, unless you have a time machine, you're going to have to wait a whole week to see how things work out, because this is it for part one of our exploration of Back to the Future. As always, you can reach us on our Facebook page, just search for The Cinephiles. You can subscribe to us on iTunes or YouTube. You can support the show by visiting, visiting patreon.com slash thecinephiles, buy a movie on cinephiles.net. If you want to reach me, you can do it on Twitter at SRMorris, Instagram at SRMorris1, Roka you can meet at the Roca Says, Michael at MKToon, and Shannon at Shannon underscore McClung. And after you've followed all of us on our various social media, you can come back in one week for part two of Back to the Future
2: on the Cinephiles.